Hello and welcome to another episode of What We're Listening To. I'm Asha and with me as always is my good friend and collector of the seven string ukulele bass, Ooh. Josh. How are you? I It's not the weirdest instrument that I own. <laughs> what I, is the weirdest instrument that you own? Um, it's probably the Merlin, which is a, a mini dulcimer. Um, oh. But it's never in tune because there's no tuning rod in it. So it's perpetually like bent. So it's not great. Is that like a hammer dulcimer or a mountain dulcimer? Like a mountain dulcimer. <laughs> and nice. also those like mini uke bases, people seem yeah. to hate them. I think they're amazing. I, I love mine. I wish I um, played it a little bit more. Uh, it is a fretless one though. So it adds on that extra um, kind of hardness. I mean, it's not as difficult with intonation when you're that low, yeah. but um, it's just, still a little bit tricky. I'm just kind of blown away by the tone of the, like, it sounds like a double bass. Yeah, yeah. But they've just, like, shrunk it entirely, and that kind of breaks all the rules for general wood instruments in my brain, and it's really good. I don't know. It's amazing how the strings are polyurethane as well. And yes. once Carla released that technology, then we got a whole bunch of other like different brands, which is when I bought mine when it was a bit more affordable. Yeah. But um, yeah. Anyway, how was my intro, Josh? It was good. It was well done. Well done. <laughs> I have a quiz for you. I am so, sure to fail it. Uh, I mean, you might actually do okay on this one. So we are going to chat a little bit later about the Gang of Youth's new EP. Um, on this EP, to my surprise, they did a cover of the song Asleep in the Back by Elbow. Um, now, I was looking to see if there were other people who covered this song in particular, and I couldn't find many. Um, so I wanted to talk about other Elbow covers. Now, there is a famous song of theirs called One Day Like This, which you know. Um, there are two bands with Irish heritage who have covered this song. There are a lot of other artists, but I chose, I was like, these are the two most famous. Now, one of those bands is from the thousands and one of those bands is from the 2010s. So could you tell me who those two bands are? For, for the more recent the thousands. Have you figured it out? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Do you want a hint? Sure. Um, okay. Do you want me to give you like a name of a song from one of the artists? That may be too, too big of a hint, but sure. Okay. Um, Runaway? Oh, I, think that, I think that's the name of the song. <laughs> my brain is not working. Okay. Um, one of the bands is The Cause. Okay. They did Runaway, right? That's the name. I think so. I can only think of the Kanye yeah. song, to be honest with you. <laughs> okay. Um, and the other band was Snow Patrol. I thought so much of a Scottish. That could be They're my Irish Scottish. That's why Ugh. I said Irish heritage. Sorry. They have on their Wikipedia page Irish Scottish. And uh, so I kind of went with the Irish, but um, uh, maybe that was a bit mean. I did think of them briefly. My Sorry. No, that's okay. That was I, a bit mean. Snow Patrol are pretty soft. So I'm surprised they covered an elbow song. Interestingly, I remember 
the story of um, that song, he came up with the line, kiss me like a final meal. He was like, this is brilliant. This is a great line. And then he realized he'd kind of stolen it from a friend or some book or something like this. <laughs> and he apologized profusely. And he's like, that's fine. Let's buy me a beer next time you see me. So anyway, yeah. sorry, bit of a cruel quiz. No, that's did, okay. you have, did you have any follow-up you wanted to start with? Um, not a ton. I did. Um, we talked briefly about Linkin Park in the last episode and oh, our yeah. mutual dislike of them as a band. I did want to say I do like one song by them, but it is by far their most cheesiest ballad. So I maybe I Which should one? mention it. It's called Shadow of the Day. It's one of their last singles before um, the lead singer passed away. So it's just kind of like this like ballad that everyone kind of weeps at at Linkin Park concerts. Okay. I mean, I kind of like, you know, the hits are kind of cool, but I just never could really get into the full album. So I wouldn't say I'm really disliking them. I remember seeing their shows and like the wiki wiki sort of like (laughs) 2000s scratching stuff. It always made me giggle a bit. I this is a this could be a big tangent. Um, on MTV when I was a teenager, they had a competition show where you could win, um, tickets to go see the band that you wanted to, and you had to do this like obstacle course of of that band related challenges, and it was a pretty <laughs> pretty non memorable show. But I I remember a Lincoln Park episode because they had to. Um, go to a station with little slips of paper and put like paper cuts in between their fingers and then stick that hand in a bowl of lemon juice and try Mm. to scream louder than the lead singer of Linkin Park at the time. And it was horrible to watch. Gosh, TV can be awful. (laughs) Oh my goodness, that was one of the weirdest things. Because if you didn't get it, you had to go back and try again. And so these people like trying to paper cut themselves while their hands are still wet. Oh my goodness, it was. Anyway, blood sports. Mm. Great. <laughs> I I have a tiny bit of follow up. Um, yeah. I was re listening to Dance the Devil by The Frames this oh, okay. three sure, weeks. Sure, sure. Um, we were talking about how. Um, I've been introduced, well, my wife has been introducing our daughter to uh, the swell season and you said, Mm -hmm. ah, it's the gateway to the frames. So I put on Dance the Devil and my daughter really liked it. Uh, She she really enjoyed it. And I was just thinking how much I really enjoyed um, Pavement Tune. Um, Is it Pavement Tune? What's the first? Um, I Want My Life to Make More Sense. Um, Uh, Yeah, yeah, that's, that's Pavement Tune. Yeah, yeah. Um, I just really like the sound of that album. So, yeah, just revisiting a piece of old homework and appreciating it. Um, I listened to the playlist and I really like the new Damon Albarn song. It's really different than I was expecting. Yeah. And I was reflecting on how amazing it is that someone with such a scratchy, ordinary voice has had such commercial success (laughs) and managed to, like, surround himself with fantastic musicians to kind of complement his creativity, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I I do. 
Yeah, he. He's quite an ordinary sounding guy. Ever since I heard him in Blur and then realized he was the dude in Gorillas and how like ordinary he sounds, um, I was kind of just blown away that, you know, he was outputting all this stuff. So anyway, I just thought it was cool. He um yeah. he he has one other solo album aside from the one that's under his name, which hmm. is uh the soundtrack to a Chinese opera um that he co wrote for. So he does some okay. really, he, like he does everything a little bit. Like he's very um, exploratory in his own time. And so his solo stuff I think is very interesting. Yeah. It it sounded really curious to me. So I'd be keen to check out something full when it comes yeah. out. Um, that's it for me. Okay. Well, then it's review time. I have been um, working through the uh, latest album from... Uh, Paul Simon tribute band Vampire Weekend for the past month and a bit. Um, after their third record, it's called Modern Vampires of the City, I think. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. I was kind of lukewarm with that one. Uh, I quite it, liked it. but Yeah, yeah it, it was a good evolution from their second album, Contra. Contra, but I don't think it went far enough for me. Uh, far enough where? creatively like i think it was a it was a step rather than a leap and i would prefer the leap and i think that this album father of the bride their latest one is more of that um it's like the the evolution of their maturity as a sound and it's really uh solidified i think on this album um yeah so aside from sounding a lot like a kind of thematically modern take on graceland it feels like a strange niche of like art pop western mm. record but like hundreds of different influences that are just kind of all over and oh yeah um i think it melds them really well um which is a roundabout There's way to say i think it sounds really good there. yeah sorry i th- yeah i think his album's really excellent basically mm. um i yeah i don't have a ton of like critique about it i, I kind of been absorbing it and i think it's it's like uh based around a couple uh musical vignettes uh that are like to do with um how to put it like exploring life and gaining joy out of that in different sections and it's kind of based around these like duets between the lead singer and uh one of the Haim sisters from the band Haim um I don't know them uh yeah and he kind of like the the early Vampire Weekend records are kind of like too cool for school in some ways. He's like these guys in their twenties, and they got like their colorful sweater vests and that kind of stuff, and their creative lyrics, and they're trying to make as many literary like allusions as possible. And then you get this album, which is um, nowhere near as taking itself seriously, but still about like hmm. semi serious real life things. Um, I was trying to understand what the father of the bride theme was about, like the first track. And I must confess, I found this a lot harder to get into than Contra or Modern Vampires. Mm. And because it just felt like it was going back and forth and changing genres and all this sort of thing quite a bit. And I don't think I was as 
you know, because this is the thing you were listening to, I wasn't kind of into it as much. And I actually listened to Contra again and then Graceland after listening to this <laughs> and was much more into those two. When I was listening to, is it White Sky off Contra? Mm-hmm. Oh, because um, it's just basically like Crazy Love Part 2. I think they've been enjoying Paul Simon's influence through their <laughs> multiple records. So anyway... But um, I didn't find this as grabbing as songs off Modern and Contra. I think because in my mind I was placing Vampire Weekend in the like pop basket, like really catchy. And yeah. this was much more mature, I think. Um, yeah, which is good. Uh, yeah, I think this, this to me <clears throat> feels much more in line with the evolution as a band between like their first album being more of like weird indie university music and then Contra being super, super popular, um, Mm. that kind of evolution. And they've gotten to the stage where they don't need to make radio hits to stay alive and they can kind of explore things a bit more. They don't um, need an Oxford comma or something or cousins. Yeah, or, they or can like just an kind of punk. go for it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so I like I wouldn't be able to really pick any of the songs of this record to be a single necessarily. I think I'd have a hard time doing that. That there are some yeah. like more upbeat songs, but I think um, in terms this of like life th- was more upbeat. Yeah, yeah. I think I can sink my teeth much more into this like double album of a record than um, mm. some of their other things. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Oh, I have friends that really enjoyed it when it came out as well. Other people have mentioned it. I just didn't get around to it. So Yeah, I think I was to say for like I just me. didn't didn't get really around to it either until now. It's been on my like I've owned it for a while, just never really listened to it. Hmm. Um You picked of, it up I, recently at record store day, didn't you? Yeah. I mean I've been a like a fan of Empire Weekend for a very like I remember I bought their A Punk on as a single mm. like gosh like eight years ago now and I've seen them like three or four times live. But you were so like, cool, Joshua. <laughs> just like they just kind of passed under the radar for this release. So maybe I'll be more on the hype train for the next one. It's funny how that you can't sustain constant like I mean yeah. for some bands like for you and Radiohead like you can sustain that. <laughs> But even some of my favorite bands, I just kind of lose interest at some point and then know I'll come back to them one day and eventually do. But, like, nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Tom York lives in my brain rent-free, dude. (laughs) Well, good thing the Smile have got some uh, recordings coming up for you, right? I'm excited about that. I really am. Um, Yeah, so I... I recommend if you want more of Ezra Koenig's kind of clever lyricism, but with a more mature, it's a bit of a slower record. I think this one's mm. really good. Yeah. Uh, how about you, sir? What have you been listening to? I've also been listening to um, a slower album this week and something quite different than last week. Um, yeah. I do have to start, though, with a different artist. Um, I've been re-listening to a bit of Rosie Thomas. And I mentioned her about a year ago. Um, she is a singer-songwriter um, who is friends with Sufjan and she 
she writes kind of like very beautiful ballads um, with a bit of a country sort of twist to them slightly. Um, one of her songs, Where Were You, is probably like one of my all-time, you know, favourite kind of soft uh, acoustic folk sort of things. Um, and I'll put that on the playlist. But what happened mm. was that I was looking up clips of her and um, playing live and she was playing this this uh, concert with Sufjan and then there was this third dude who I didn't know. His name was Dennison Whitmer. And then I realized he's also on Asthmatic Kitty Records and um, has a new album out. And I was like, oh, I should check out this dude. I've heard about him before and never really listened to his albums. And so I, I listened to his album American Foursquare and that's what I wanted to talk about. Um, and so this album, I must confess, uh, I'm pretty entranced by it, but <laughs> I think maybe it might be the lyri- lyrics more than sound a little bit. Mm-hmm. And, you know, maybe it's because I'm getting a bit old now and he's writing an album about like, you know, long-term uh, marriage to his wife and his children and, <laughs> and like not having as much time for creativity and the stuff like this, you know. So it's like silly things like that, which I'm really interested. Well, like kind of, you know, it kind of resonates with you. It's like when artists are not like, I'm out, t- you know, all the partying all the time. I'm like actually just trying to have like a really stable sort of uh, ordinary existence where creativity is an important part of that, if that makes sense. So, <laughs> sure. gushy warning. Um, but musically, this album is really sublime in like a complete contrast to, you know, Chernobyl last week. Um, this has no grit whatsoever, but it gets a pass because it's super beautifully acoustic. Like all the sounds are recorded beautifully and his voice, um, he's like, this is towards the later end of his career, but his voice is just as gorgeous as it was when he was um, younger. I've, I've been really amazed at his falsetto work and just the kind of pure sound of his voice. Hmm. Um, so for me, standout things are like the arrangements. He's a great guitarist. The lyricism, like I said, is really, really sweet. And it feels like there's a big narrative in this and that sometimes when I listen to artists, I don't always know what they're talking about straight away. Um, But this is very clear. It's like American Foursquare is about the house that him and his family moved into when they moved out of the city, the kind of American house. Like, I don't I guess it's a design. Um, You know, songs about his specific children and kind of thoughts on parenting and, you know, um, a song for his wife. Uh, a friend of mine said that it was uh, Birds of Virginia is the long-term love song we didn't know we wanted kind of thing. <laughs> um, and I love some of the lyrics like he's writing about his um, son and it's like a line goes, you remind me of your mother. You're nothing like your mother. And then you remind me of your brother. You're nothing like your brother. So anyway, I get this idea of, um, you know, it's just thoughtful and he's thinking hard about like parenting and, and uh, you know, marriage and all this sort of thing. And there's just some like very good songs on this. And I thought that it was a very well thought out kind of big picture, that sort of thing. Mm. Did you get to give it a listen? Yeah, I must admit I haven't listened to it enough to give it more than a gut reaction. I gave it one couple times That's over. Um, I think 
I'm I'm in like the wrong musical headspace for this kind of record. Yeah, it's fine. Um, especially with like my own review and the homework you gave me, like really um bare bones traditional folk music with like some nice stuff over top of it isn't quite enough for me at the moment. Um Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, it didn't I don't know. I felt like it didn't push enough musical boundaries. And then some of the songs to me sounded like they could be on come fill the Illinois a little bit too much. And I was like, oh, steering into Sofiano He has territory. had a lot to do with Sofiano over the years. So yeah. Well, I mean, he, I think he did some, I think he played in one of the Illinois makers bands. Yeah. I'm not sure. Um, I there did, are a lot of uh, tie-ins. I did like uh, River Music and Birds of Virginia. I think those are two of the standout songs on the record for me. Um, yeah. His voice actually reminds me a bit of James Taylor. Uh, maybe a little that less. Might be who I'm thinking of. Yeah, a little, little less yeah. rhythmic and a little less strong in his like mm. confidence in his singing voice. But he tonally reminds me a bit of him. Um, yeah, it's very pure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, yeah, like it wasn't terrible, and I liked, I liked it um, enough. It just kind of wasn't pushing enough boundaries to me at the moment. I actually agree with you in some ways. I think that I'm a bit biased by the narrative and connecting and kind of enjoying that. Sure. Um, because I sent this on to a few people, including my mum, who was like, it's pretty boring. <laughs> um, and <laughs> she was just like, oh, the melodies aren't really that gripping. And to be fair, sometimes I think that some of the melodies could be just more interesting. And that, um, but I... I don't know. I I kind of looked at it yeah. big picture of a b- bunch of different things. There's nothing really wrong with it, a record so. that takes its time musically, um, and that may not be for everybody. And that's the point of the record. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think that's fine. He actually stopped music for a bit and became a carpenter, and so well. t- kind of took a break from things and took his time. So yeah. Um, by the way, if you haven't seen, and this is the listeners as well, not just you, Josh, um, when Sufjan released his Silver and Gold box set, he made seven little clips featuring Dennis and Whitmer, Rosie Thomas himself, and then Rosie's husband as well. And uh, they're atrocious. So, you know, if you want to see the less Good. serious side of Dennis and Whitmer, you can check those out. Oh, your it's long kind of, your long term plan of making me love Sufjan Stevens is still on a bumpy road, sir. My, it's not my point at all. Actually, sure. I, I, <laughs> I'm not actually a Sufjan evangelist, as it might. I don't know. I don't think that everything he does is great, and I don't always love you know his style and that sort of thing. I guess he just turns up in a lot of circles that I enjoy, <laughs> and. He was kind of a bit of a gateway to indie music in some ways for me. So sure, didn't he? I'll just I'll justify it that. Way. When is that new album coming out with him and? Um, okay. Oh yeah, um, Angelie to Augustine. Yeah. Um, I was going to mention that at the end, but it's probably good to mention now. Uh, I think it's August. Okay. I don't know. Um, so for those who don't know, um, Sufjan and or- Angelo de Augustine, who Dennison Whitmer also has played with, just so you know, mm-hmm. um, they've. Yeah, Angelo and Sufjan have a new album out. Um, it's like a bunch of folk songs reflecting on random uh, movies 
and it has one of the most atrocious album covers I've ever seen. <laughs> I keep seeing so, it on Bandcamp whenever I, whenever it I like, go through the sections. Awful. Uh, I it? just don't know how they thought this was a good idea. Like hideous mermaid again. Um. Uh, so anyway, should we move on to homework? Yeah, let's let's do homework. So you alluded to um, being in a folk space, which is quite different than Dennis and Whitmer. Um, Mm. And I'm glad that I've spoiled you, I think. Um, So I gave Josh one of uh, the first kind of albums of Vic Thrill's kind of new stage of his career um, called Bollywood Hulbard Volume 1. So Vic Thrill is a Brooklyn artist who uh, writes really interesting folk music uh, and I found him through a blog called Spirit You All Music. What did you think of Vic Thrill's Bollywood Hulvard Volume volume 1? Yeah, uh, oh my goodness. So I don't know if this has happened on the show before. Maybe it has. My memory's just bad. We've had a couple like okay, like homework handouts. But speaking for myself, I think this record is like one of the first ones that I've like really, really enjoyed um, for homework wise. Um, I think it is. I think it is. You're right. Yeah. I, I, I adore this record. It's absolutely awesome. Um, Excellent. It, it's kind of this uh, sprawling, scrappy, fantastically creative folk alternative record. So it has like um, this theme you get from the name. The, the Bollywood hula bard, which is, you know, funny wordplay, haha. But actually, um, Vic kind of uses that to um, make this creative folk record and put over top of it all these uh, East Indian musical traditions um, mm, yeah. as, like, a, a way to make this record be about, like, musicality and, like, the joy of music in its various forms. Um, both lyrically and musically. Uh, so it's, yeah, it's really, really interesting. I, um, I think this, that kind of creative brief for a record could be super manipulative or super bad. Mm-hmm. Um, like let's make a cultural record based on music from another place and just kind of like do it that way. But actually he tries really, really hard to integrate it. Um, and to, kind of play it off cheekily together with his words and lyrics and songs. Um, hmm. Yeah. I, I don't think every song on this record is great. Some of them are kind of meh, but I think the concept yeah. stays super strong the whole way through. Um, and the sum of the parts are so great that I'm okay with some of the songs being kind of strange and like <laughs> not great to listen to at times. Um, I think is it the wedding of the music and the words? That one didn't grab me so much, but maybe that's yeah. one you like. And one of, so a couple of them are like based on mantras, um, mm-hmm. like Amagatoa and like those kind of weird ones are like a little bit off the beaten track. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'm really, really sad. This record isn't on Spotify, so we I can't know, right? put any of it on our playlist. But I, I implore anyone who listens to this record to give Bollywood Hula Bard a try and then go on YouTube and watch the videos for Vic Thrill. Um, yes. 
Shelby will dance along and creator. I like it's they're both gems. I don't know. Like they're kind of he looks like he's Woody a very Harrelson. genuine dude. He's a very yeah. genuine musician, I think. It's just really it's just really fun. Like he's like playing in his apartment and having a good time in his weird pants and weird shoes and um yeah, this is kind of uh not to throw shade for no particular reason. This is kind of what I wanted out of like Bonnie Prince Billy when you gave him to me. This kind of uh, like Okay. Yeah, I see um, see what you mean a bit. Like rough around the edges, um real kind of shaggy hair, but um super creative and off the beaten path. Um yeah. Vic Thrill's so this, a lot more energetic than Bonnie Prince Billy too. Yeah. This this kind of spoiled my two weeks of prep because I just listened to this record over and over, um, including you know giving time to your review, Asher. The of course, um, it's kind of when I first heard Lankham. Like it took mm-hmm. me a while to get it back into be able to listen to regular folk music again that wasn't like wild and out there. Um, mm-hmm. So I think this is going to sit on my shelf for quite a while. That I um, I enjoyed it quite a bit. That makes me happy. And ironically, <laughs> I'd been holding off on giving you this one because I didn't know that you'd like it. <laughs> I had it in my back. And I remember um, Jess saying, are you going to give Josh Vic Thrill? He might enjoy it. And I was like, I just, I don't know. I'm just not really sure. And uh, But I'm glad that I did because I'm glad that you found someone who kind of fits and is a new thing, a different kind of revitalizing it a genre or something for you but yeah i i really loved so when i heard this album when i first heard about vic thrill obviously he's had a career before this but Mm. i didn't really know much about it i only heard creator the video and i was like oh my goodness uh whatever is gonna come out i need to hear and there's just so much joy in this album i was listening to it after i gave it to you even just like I hear music gets stuck in your head and then the relay is beautiful and they're so hopeful. Like all the songs are really, really joyful. Shall we all dance along? You know, it's really, really about like, I suppose that kind of works with some of the the themes he's talking about, you know, Mm -hmm. these like world peace, loving each other kind of things. I don't know. Even the cutting room floor is one of my favorites. Um, I don't know. It's it's great. I don't want to add too much to your review because I want listeners to kind of take it from you more than me. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, biased. I'm I'm curious as to what its other records sound like. I haven't ventured into that space yet since I've been enjoying this one so much. Yeah, I haven't listened to part volume two of Bollywood Hulabad yet. Um, mm. And I haven't gone back and listened to his other things. Apparently, he was on This American Life and started a band with, oh. like, um, um, a Jewish neighbor or something like this. I don't know. <laughs> so, it, like, like I was saying, he's kind of at a, a, like the latter end of his career. He's done a lot of other cool stuff, but yeah, I need to know more about him because he's very interesting. So. <laughs> I thought you were yeah. going to say he started a band with Ira Glass for a second. No, no, no. Um, yeah, I think, yeah, I don't know if it's Ira Glass who, t- is Ira Glass the only one who runs This American Life? He's the only, he's the, I haven't, I don't listen to that, to Neither be honest with you, but I just know who he is. 
Anyway, there's an episode which I'll put in the playlist that I haven't properly listened to, but no. when I first read about him on Spirit You All blog, I read that. So there you go. Thank you for You're being welcome. Thrilled. I've been very enjoying them. I'm glad. Um, um, all right. Uh, so I um, have given Asher uh, a band that I must admit to not know that much about. Um to the point that Asher actually mentioned the lead singer in an honorable mention a few episodes ago, and I didn't know who she was. <laughs> this is kind of one of those bands that I've absorbed from a friend with no mm-hmm. real context. And he told me to listen to Capacity, which I am now sharing with you. So this is the album Capacity by Big Thief. I think it's mm-hmm. like their second or third album. They made like four albums in the space of two years at one point, so I can't really keep track wow. of it. Um yeah, it's a really interesting take for me on like the singer-songwriter genre. It's a mm-hmm. thoroughly intimate record, both musically and thematically, and I've enjoyed it most of the time I go through it. So what did you think about Capacity, sir? Yeah, so um, after Josh gave me Big Thief, I was listening to it going, gosh, this singer sounds familiar. <laughs> and you can't blame yourself because I also don't remember the details. Someone told me um, when I was the my friend Joel, who put me on to Adrian Lenka, was like, oh, you should listen to her band, Big Thief. And you mm. give me Big Thief and none of the bells ring in my mind. I'm just like, <laughs> okay, Big Thief. So I think sometimes I really have to, like, remember details to kind of catch nah. up. Anyway, so I was like, oh, okay, gotcha. Um, so in my mind, I think I was comparing Adrian's solo stuff with her band. And... um. I think overall I prefer the solo, but there are some really, really wonderful things about this record. And as I was re-listening to it again last night, I kind of went, yeah, this is this is a record which I will keep and will hold on to because mm. um, it's really gorgeous, obviously. Um, but it has – often my brain kind of does the Andy Shelf warmth test um, where I think about like, oh, how warm is this uh, – kind of sound how kind yeah. of like um how good is the drum how good are the drums recorded and you know are those acoustic guitars like just kind of hugging my ears and that sort of thing and so i you know songs like watering and great white shark um are really really catching that sort of sound that i love um yeah yeah, and as I was going through it again, I'm like, gosh, some of these songs have pretty melodies. Like Adrian really does weave a great vocal melody. Like Mary is almost hymn-like. Pretty Things. Pretty Things is quite close to her solo stuff, um, so I quite enjoyed that. Some other tracks like Haley, Coma, Mythological Beauty um, are just incredible. Her Her voice at times reminds me a little bit of Lisa Mitchell, like with the same breathiness. Yeah, can do you remember I? Lisa Mitchell? Yeah, I do. Kind I of a, a, Australian indie singer songwriter, a bit too poppy, but like, you know, had some <laughs> good stuff. But uh, I just found, yeah, I found the songwriting really beautiful. I didn't always love the electric guitar work, like on uh, Shark Smile. Just kind yeah. of didn't work for me. But um, but it was kind of like. They were very creative, like Haley. I think, has scissors as percussion on it. Um, yeah. You know what? This um, Her voice really reminded me on uh, uh, what song? There's a song of hers. 
I think it's Haley, where she sounds so much like Rufus's mum and uh, auntie. Do you know Kate and Anna McGarrigal? I I mean, only referentially. Yeah, so they were in a band together, um, Kate and Anna McGarrigal. Um, There's a song of theirs called Matapedia, and there are some a lot of crossovers here for me. Hmm. Um, so, yeah, I just, I was like, oh, this is, this is ringing a lot of bells for me and I'm enjoying the sounds. And so I really liked this. I thought it was, um, I thought it was a good iteration of um, Adrian's music. Like I, it, and it's always interesting thinking about what song she's going to do by herself and what song she's going to do with the band. Yeah. Like it's really yeah, yeah. Interesting to think about why an artist chooses to do one as their solo stuff and one as the band and what are the differences. And so it was nice hearing her pushing herself a little bit more to do more complex arrangements with different instrumentation, that sort of thing. So I enjoyed it. Yeah. Thanks for yeah, sharing. I, I had this recommended to me, but obviously forgot they existed. So thank you. Pleasure. <laughs> it is curious because I would say to myself, if I'm going to make an album, about motherhood and you know my mother it probably would be more of a solo project than a band project but this kind of mm. fits more in the second one yeah i i did catch a little bit of that theme but i must confess i was um i think i was i'm a bit slow sometimes even though with dennis and whitman how that was the content drew me in first it took me a while to kind of catch on to some of the ideas in this so mm. capacity it's good thanks man Shall we move into some honourable mentions? Yeah, let's do it. Uh, New Gang of Youths EP. Yeah, so I was um, a little confused to think that, like, I thought they were releasing a whole album soon, and I think they still are (laughs) in the next year. Um, This is just like a three-song taster, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, and it's an interesting taster. Um, yeah. Obviously, it has the single Angel of Eighth Avenue on it. It then had the surprise elbow cover, which I was not expecting at all. Yeah, yeah. and it, you should say it's an old elbow song, like from their really first album. Oh, yeah. yeah, it's their first album, Asleep in the Back, um, the yeah album of the same name. And not a very typically covered famous song yeah. of theirs, like... And not one of my favorites. I would have picked Scattered Black and Whites off that album personally as a song that was, I mean, but that, that makes no sense because you pick no, what you right. pick. But, yeah. but I mean, we were talking about this and maybe I was like just being a bit too cynical. I was like, are they trying to break into the English market by covering <laughs> Elbow? <laughs> um, but they probably it's just so like sus- the song. <laughs> it's so suspicious. It's like, maybe it's- I don't know. Sorry. Maybe I've just um, been thinking about it too much. Yeah, and they had a third song called Unison, which I actually enjoyed the most out of all of them. Um, yeah. I am a sucker for banjo. Yeah, it's it's still growing on me. I think I still like the single the most. Um, yeah. It's just got some great, it's got all the kind of markers of Gang of Views, the, the drums and stuff that all, I really enjoyed. All I know is that Unison has both banjo and violin in it, which is... You're starting to approach territory where you can cover frame songs properly, and I want to see that happen. I thought you were about to say they're just turning back into Noah and the Whale Part 2. <laughs> nah. 
We, we need to that. talk. I need to talk about how much I enjoyed uh, knowing the whales worlds last night. I think um, when that kind of was big, because that is a great album. But both of us have heard it, so I can't give it to you as homework or something. I'll fit it no, in. No, and I and I actually enjoy another knowing the whale album more than that one. <laughs> is that the previous album? Uh, first days of spring. Yeah. Yeah, I like that one the most. It's good. I feel like, <laughs> I mean, yeah. Do you want to do it now? <laughs> We're not having, not having a debate about knowing the whale. They're a dead band. They're not dead. They're alive they're in all, the hearts of their fans. They're all dead. Um, yeah, anyway. anyway. The, I, I think um, I read an article um, interviewing David LaPepe from Gang of Youths. Mm-hmm. And he said the album that they're trying to make has seen a number of different formations. Like they've kind of scrapped it and remade it a couple of times and mm. they still don't quite know the shape of what it's going to look like, I think. So, um, Interesting. they're, they're working on it and this, this teaser is good. So I'm um, hopefully the album comes out. Yeah. It's certainly not a crowd pleaser, I think. Yeah. I don't think they're yeah. going for as much like, like I, I maybe I was too critical last time on them kind of writing songs intended for like a wide audience, and maybe this is not. Yeah, like that's a, it's not a pop machine, but it is going to be popular. Let's put it that right. way. Sure. Um, to the extent that there was a cover on Triple J this week, um, hmm. of one of their older songs, which I thought was pretty good. Hmm. The Lucky Versions. Um, yeah, anyway, you sorry. sent me that. It's not bad. I've absconded your honorable mentions. Keep going. No, no, it's fine. I only have one other. Amazing, right? Um, the other one I wanted to just mention was that uh, Benjamin Malk has a new album out that I've been really loving um, called A Moment in Time That Always Happens. He's been doing these um, not mini albums. He's just been writing a lot of um, modular synthesizer music uh, lately, kind of like an ambient um, EDM take on stuff mm. and they're very very beautiful albums they're kind of like you know great study music very peaceful calming warm washy so um, <laughs> I highly recommend that one uh, and its previous one which is called A Cable Tethered to the Sky both of them use kind of abstract art that looks like oil on water kind of paintings and that sort of thing and so anyway Check out his his uh, latest album. I really enjoy it. I'll put some link in the show notes and the playlist, obviously. But you you talked about we talked about Sylviana Angelo as well. So that's all um, mine. Do you have any uh, okay. honourable mentions? Uh, I do have a couple. Um, the uh, Internet algorithm has been trying to get me to listen to older singles from the Avalanches after listening oh, to yeah. their record. Um, and one has stood out to me in particular. Uh, it's a song called Because I'm Me. And uh, it's so catchy. It's um, like a mix of like Jackson 5 era Motown pop and then like a 90s hip hop over top of it. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, man, if they made an album of just that kind of vibe, I think I'd listen to nothing else for quite a while. It's so, it's so much fun. Interesting. Um, it's not actually the Jackson Five singing or or the beat underneath it, um, but it's kind of that vibe, right? Um, yeah, it's so good. 
Um, it's such a fascinating band. Yeah, yeah. I actually I watched an interview with them uh, this week talking about how they like find and like splice things together. It was really creative and. Mm. I don't know. It's like the the brain pattern to like always be searching for is that a sample I can cut and rework into something different that I then want to use. It's such a different like mindset to I don't know, like yeah. musicianship I think I think of. It's kind of like a collector being able to well no, not a collector but like yeah, it's being able to see things in a different context and that mm. is a talent that I I wish I possessed, but I don't. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then second, um, this is a guy called John Francis Flynn, mm-hmm. uh, who is an Irish uh, folk musician. So he has um, his first solo album coming up, um, I think on the 30th of July. And mm-hmm. um, all these like, Irish indie magazines are releasing reviews of this record saying like, Oh, it's amazing. Oh, it's fantastic. You got to listen to it. And I'm just sitting here like, I want to, all that exists is like a, a single, um, it's on YouTube. It's on Spotify. I listened to it to a bunch of times. I want to hear the record. So I'm just kind of waiting for that. I, hmm. yeah, it's a interesting take on like Irish folk traditions and then some drone stuff on top of it. Uh, but vocally, mm, and then so I think, I think it'll scratch that kind of obscure itch that I've been, um, so bitten by this this episode. I guess so. I'm excited for that one. Um, I blame myself entirely. <laughs> <laughs> and then, last but not least, um, small spoilers. I I've written an article that might come out soonish, but I wanted to talk about one of the artists on it as well. Um, is an awesome Aussie musician uh, called Breacher Campbell, uh, who is a Scottish small pipe player. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I, don't, I just can't get enough, man. Uh, she has this a is record Yulian called. Pipes, right? Uh, no, they are. So Elan pipes are. Oh, sorry. Specifically Irish. These are small Scottish pipes, so they are. Uh, okay. They're not. Um, as bag powered as the big ones, so they do use elbow stuff, but they're um, much much smaller. They do sound similar to Elon pipes. I'll give you that. Um, okay, cool. They're on the higher scale. Uh, she's an, uh, an album called The Reeling, which came out I think in 2019, um, which I cannot recommend highly enough. It's a great kind of um, melding of a bunch of traditional scottish piping songs and techniques including um the first ever uh competitive female piping player in the history of scotland she features Mm -hmm. on the album um along with some more modern kind of alternative ambient stuff on top of it it's really interesting i um uh, she has a video of her playing some stuff at the perth theater or some traditional festival and it's so good, man. I it it brings out the like the ancient Scottish blood of my family from my grandmother, and I, it's just so good. <laughs> I look anyway. forward to when the article comes out. I you sent me a little draft of it, and I had a read, and it sounded fantastic. Yeah. So I'll have to check it yeah. out. Um. Anyway, uh, if if you like piping at all, I cannot recommend her. I enough. do not tons, but I like it. <laughs> Yeah, I I have a couple old records of just 
Irish piping that I put on, but I'm a weird old man. I must confess that when we were talking about reels the other day, I, I found some like reels playlists and put them on. And there was a lot of piping in there in the mix and um, Jess didn't love it as much. Uh, I think it was probably a bit harsher than what you're referring to. But um, uh, yeah, I, I appreciate it. But I, I will like to hear this because I'd like to hear what you consider to be the creme de la creme. Creme de la creme. All right. Um, but those are all my honorable mentions. Uh, we should say it's been a little while, so it's time to spin that wheel. I got it right here. You ready? Ooh. So homework what's, for next week. What's currently on the wheel, actually? I don't know if I want to reveal that. I wanna, oh, sorry. sorry, sorry I sorry, want sorry, them to come up as they come up. We've done random Bandcamp album. We've done classics. We've got a few other things on here, so I'm going to spin it. Here we go. Yeah. And it said decade. So Random decade. Uh, well, as in a choice. We can choose. I mean, we've left it open. Do you want to choose? Oh, no, hang on. No, I have another spinner. What decade? <laughs> yes. Sorry. Here we More go. More spinners. What decade? Nineteen <laughs> ten. Oh, no. <laughs> Between 1910 and 1920. Do you want to do this that early? Uh, did, is, are there even recordings of things? Of I think so. I, I mean, I could be wrong. I can't even remember what uh, era they started. Um, let me just quickly Google <laughs> recordings from 1910. That's going to be like Dixieland stuff. Uh, <sighs> there are some audio recordings from 1910. It's not going to be many. <laughs> okay. Why don't we go from like 1930s? Do you reckon that's, that's okay? Sure, we can do that. We'll have a look. We'll, we'll get back to you listeners on this one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. You set a limit to that decade, man. I should, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> that's really funny. No, that's okay. <laughs> I mean, we, yeah, you know, there would be something, but it's, it's not <laughs> Oh, it's funny. I think at the beginning it was all just like documenting various accents from around the country or folk songs. So, you know, but um, yeah, let's go with 1930s and we can cut out <laughs> from this episode what we don't want. Uh, well, thank you for listening to episode 32 of what we're mm-hmm. listening to. Um, if you want to uh, hear more of us, you can catch us on our website where there's uh, show notes playlists for each episode and all of our older episodes obviously or you can catch us on our social media we have instagram we have twitter all that kind of fun stuff um but otherwise i hope you have enjoyed uh listening to this episode and please if you feel like it um leave us a review it helps to um improve our standings in the eye of the all-seeing algorithm uh, which will get us to uh, more people who may want to listen to this um so Once again, thank you for listening. See you, Asher. See you, man.